is an amazing uh, person. You know, as you look, about, look into Peter and you read his writings, and we know about Peter from the Gospels and Jesus' relationship with Peter. So awesome because, you know, so many times I can go, man, that is me right there, you know, blowing it again. Uh, and, and sometimes Peter has moments of, like, greatness, like he does something, and, and we, we get to experience that hopefully just once in a while, you know, that we, we feel like, man, I did something that matters, you know, and how cool is that? But we live in a world that is, is not moving toward God. In fact, our country is moving as fast as it can away. And uh, there's coming a time where, where there's this weeding process, and I believe it's already going on, that either you're going to be faithful to Christ to the very end, or you're just going to get sucked into the flow of the world, right? And that's sad, because we all have family, right? We all have people that we love, you know? And, and what we do is we pray and we hope and we hopefully share that they are connected to Christ, like, like hanging on with all their might, you know, and fighting, fighting to hang on. Well, Peter writes, and, um, you know, we know Peter, Simon Peter, um, such an amazing guy, uh, but he's writing his letter in 1 Peter, if you want to go there, to uh, Christians, to believers who are scattered all around uh, the world, and they're, they're, they're trying to follow Christ in a world that isn't as well. You know, they're, they're being persecuted. Nero is killing Christians, you know, by the, by the hundreds, burning them at the stake just to light up his courtyard. And the persecution on the Christians is intense. And if there was a time where you could say, you know, this following Jesus stuff is really hard. I, I think I'll do something different. That would have been a time to do that, right? And probably people did. They said, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to face death. I just don't believe that much. And so he's writing to Christians who are not only being persecuted, but the world is full of idolatry and people are worshiping all kinds of things. And there's everything, every reason, every excuse in the world not to follow Jesus and to just eat, drink, and be merry and enjoy life. You know, like the rest of the world, like the majority of people. You know, it's so easy uh, in these days to do that. Peter is saying in these verses that we've been looking at in chapter 1, and we're going to get into chapter 2, he said this, he's been saying this, in Jesus, when we are in Jesus, like we are in Christ, we've accepted him as Lord, we've been washed by his blood, we are forgiven and we're right with God, and now we have a relationship with God. When you are in Jesus, Peter is saying this, he says this, you have a new birth into a living hope, like the old is gone, the new has come, you have a hope that is beyond this planet. And that's good news, isn't it? I mean, it's so cool that God has made that like available to us, when he didn't have to, he didn't have to do that. But he loves us so much that he, he offers to us and he invites us in and he says you can have through Christ and his death, his resurrection, you can have a new birth into a living hope. All right, that is cool. He also went on to say that we are called in chapter 1, like right after this awesome news about a new birth into a living hope, he then just says, that he just lays it on the line, he says, be holy. And he gives us this tough call in chapter 1 to be holy just like he is holy. And I don't know about you, but that's a tough call. 
You know, that is the challenge of all challenges, to live in a world that isn't holy and strive to live a holy life and still, like, live in this world. That's not easy. It's not easy. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Right? That's why we need God in our lives. The presence of God is the only one who will do this in this world in us. You can't do this without Him. Right? Nobody can. Only God can do it through you. And so we come to 2 Peter, or uh, 1 Peter, chapter 2. Look at, look at 1 Peter, chapter 2. And we're going to read these verses. Because um, he, he gave us you know, the right hook in chapter 1, and he just like, laid it out and he said, You be holy, because I'm holy. Like That's a pretty high standard to live up to, is it not? I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm holy, you be holy. I'm like, what? I can't do that. Yes, you can. And he gives us a way to do that. And he comes, in, he comes at us in chapter 2, and he's got more to say to us. And, and this, this is so good, this section. Chapter 2, he says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter just like lays it on pretty thick, and he gives us some things in here that are really powerful and, uh, and a mighty challenge to our lives. He, verse 4 is the key to what I want to share with you. Is this. He says, as you come to him, the living stone. This is the key to our, 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 our message today. He says, as you come to him, the living stone. Jesus, we're going to discover, is the original living stone. Is the original living stone. And, and Peter challenges these people who are in this world, right, being bombarded by everything. Uh, and, and life seems to be more and more like a, a, a tornado. Like from Sunday to Sunday, you know, we leave here and it's just like, I don't know about you, but for me, it's chaos. Like it's one thing after another thing after another. Hi, honey. Another thing, another thing. Hey, honey, good to see you today. Hun, another thing, another, you know, like just like chaos. And, and, I, and a lot of it I just do to myself. You know, I'm just too involved. I'm coaching baseball every day, and now I'm coaching softball. That started trying to remodel our kitchen that's in, it's not even a kitchen. Trish looks at it and goes, are we ever going to have a kitchen? The bathrooms need redone, 
We're sleeping on a mattress on the floor. It's just awesome. And uh, our clothes are piled. We finally got our dressers out of the pod. And now our clothes aren't piled on the floor anymore. They're like maybe on top of the dresser. And uh, it's, it's just like a whirlwind. It's like I'm coming, she's going, we're everywhere. It's like chaos. We need God. We need the Lord, right? We need the Lord so bad in our lives. And, and Peter says this. He says, as you come to him, the living stone. How, isn't that cool that he even allows us to come to him? Like he, he opens the door and he says, come on. Like last week, if you were here, Leo, when those doors opened up and Leo, little Leo, not even two years old, my grandson came walking. That's, that's what God wants us to come to him not say papa but say father you know god and he wants us to like come into his presence and just like be there and the world wants to pull us in every direction possible and peter's challenge to the church here is this live like the living stone Right? He says, live like the living stone. And he shares in these verses three truths about the living stone. He, said, he teaches us, first of all, who the original living stone is. He tells us then what living stones, little l, little s, what living stones are. And then he also tells us how little l living and little s stones, how they live, right? Who we are and how we live. So he's the living stone, the original living stone, the big L, the big S, and we are the little L and the little S, right? We're living stones. He's the living stone. He's the rock. He's the one. And he challenges us in this way. And you might ask yourself, like, why is this so important to us today? Peter wrote this a long time ago. Why is this important to me today? And I'll tell you why. Christianity is no longer like like the American way. Okay? We're, we're seeing it more and more. It's becoming very prevalent and very outward in our world that, that Christianity is not accepted by our country. Okay? We might see hints of it here and there and, and good things happening, but for the most part, this, this faith, our faith, Jesus, and anything connected to Christ is under attack. It's under attack. And we're going to see it more and more. I just heard about it in the hall in California, what they're doing there. They're voting to remove any form of Christian literature from anything public in California. And, and that's just California, but it's going to work its way across the country, right? In fact, Douglas McCannon, who is the former White House and Pentagon official, he wrote an article. I caught, it caught my eye as I was you know, on Yahoo. And the title of the article, you might want to go there and check it out, is this. How long will I be allowed to remain a Christian? That's the title of this guy who was a Pentagon official and former White House official. How long, he's a Christian, how long will I be allowed to remain a Christian in this country? Now, nobody can not let you be a Christian. You can be a Christian. You're going to pay a price for it. We're going to pay a price for it. But his question was, how long is this country going to continue to just accept me or let me be here without attacking me? And the attacks are already coming. I mean, people are being attacked all over the place for their faith. You know, you know we're, not, we're not accepted anymore. We're, we're quickly becoming on the outside looking in. That's why what Peter has to say to us today is so important. Because if we're going to remain faithful to Christ, we need to know what it is we're getting into, right? And, and who we are. 
and what we can hang on to and the rock that we must stand on even when everything else crumbles around us, when we're not accepted. And so the first thing Peter does is he describes who the original living stone is. Look what he says there, verse 4. He says, as you come to him, (laughs) him, he's the living stone, as you come to him, as in he has made himself available to you. As you come to him, this is an invitation, you can come to him. Here he is, right? Here he is. The king is here, right? God has come down. He's made himself available. And he says, now the door is open. You can come to him if you choose. You can come. Nobody's going to make you. Nobody's going to force you. But if you want, you can come to him. Many will not. Some will and fall away later. But we can come to him. Anyone can come to him. And so we answer the question, can we come to him or will we come to him? And we say, yes, we will. We will come to him. And by faith, we come to him. Right? By our faith, we grab onto Christ and we say, we want you, Jesus. We need you in our life. We know you're the creator of the universe. We know you're the savior of the world. We need you in our lives. This world is crumbling. And in the end, you're the only one who will stand. And we want to be on you when all else crumbles. When our lives and everything around us begins to fall away, we want to be on the one rock that will stand in the end. The one who trusts in him. The one who trusts in him. That's who we come to. And that's the invitation that we have, the one who trusts in him. And who is the him? Notice what he says. As you come to him, uh, Peter writes in verse 4, as you come to him. Well, the he, or the him, is the living stone. He's the living stone. Not just any stone, but the very foundation, the rock. He is the living stone. He is the rock that all buildings are built on, that any building is built on. He is, all of creation is rests on him. And he is the one who builds the body of Christ, right? He's the one that is the living savior of the world, the one whose blood that was shed cleanses sin, as Bruce mentioned in his uh, communion meditation. His blood and only his blood can cleanse sin and forgive us and allow us access into him. He is also, Peter says, look at the verse, he says he is the living stone. Living meaning breathing, very much alive. He's not a dead stone. He's a living stone, right? He's not a rolling stone. He is the living stone. He is from the beginning of time and through death and the resurrection, he is alive. He's the living stone. He's Jesus. We have a living Savior, not a dead Savior, a living Savior. And he says he's the living stone. That means he's solid. He's rock solid, solid enough to hold all creation and solid enough to hold you. Right? He can hold you. He can handle your life. He can handle your issues. He can handle whatever it is you're going through, no matter how how off track you may have gotten, no matter how confused you might be, no matter what your issues are in your life, piled up, listed long, he can handle them. He is big enough to handle them. He is the living stone. And notice what Peter says. He's the living stone chosen by God, rejected by man, disallowed by the religious leaders of the day, but chosen by God above all others, men, angels, and any other spiritual being, Jesus was chosen by God 
to be the rock, to be the living stone in which you can hide your life in. And you can lay your life on his foundation and you will be okay. This is good news. Peter's sharing with us and he's sharing with those people that no matter what goes on around your world, you have a rock that will never be shaken. You know, that's what we need. That's what I need. I need to know that in the midst of my tornado of life, that when I can come up for air, I know where I need to be. And he's available to me. Like, he says, come. You know, here I am. Keep coming back. Don't forget where, where I am. I'm here. I'm always here. I'm not going anywhere. He's chosen by men. Him, he, Jesus, chosen by the Father. And at just the right time, Jesus came. And so he says, not only is he chosen by God, but he is precious. Look at the words. Precious. Precious. Chosen person. Jesus is the chosen person at the chosen time. <laughs> right? Right when you need him. Right when you need him, he is there for you. And he is precious. That means he's highly honored. He is the original, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything. He's your living stone. He's chosen by God. He's precious to God. He's the sustainer. He's the crusher, right? He's going to crush anything outside of him one day. It'll all be over. He is the cornerstone, right? He's the cornerstone. And a cornerstone is at the corner of the building, united two walls. And in this case, united the Jews and the Gentiles. That's who Jesus is. He unites all people. But a cornerstone is also something else. Have you ever gone around a corner and took out the corner? Anybody ever cut the corner a little tight? Yeah. Sometimes the cornerstone makes you stumble because it's solid. And when you hit it, you know it. I've got to tell you a story. So I'm, I get on the highway at Graham because we live in Graham now. Woo and uh, so I get on the highway and I, and I come around the corner and I'm on the highway and I'm merging into the, the first lane and all these traffic's flying by. And I'm like, what is that? And I get up to it, and it's, it's, a, it's a log. I, I should have brought it. It's huge. It's a log. It's a log. It's this big. It's this round. And it's in the second lane. It's in the second lane of the highway. And I miss it, and other people swerve, and they miss it. But I'm thinking in my head, somebody's going to die today if somebody doesn't move that thing. So what do I do? I pull off into the grass. I do a big Yui in the grass. I come back and park my car, and trucks are flying by, cars are flying by, and I'm walking now down the highway along the, 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 the bridge because this is right over the, the Graham you know, street there going into Graham, and I'm over there, and cars are going under us, and I'm like walking along the concrete, and I'm pointing at this log going, there's a log, there's a log, watch out for the log. And I know somebody's going to hit that thing, and somebody's going to die. I mean, really, they're going to die. This log was not going to move. It wasn't like a branch. This thing was huge. It's sitting in my carport right now. I had to bring it home. I couldn't leave it there. And I'm like, i got to get that thing out of the road. And so car, trucks, semis are going by, and I'm pointing at the thing. I'm going, like, it was from here to that flag away. And I'm, like, pointing at it going, watch out for the log. 
watch out for the log. And people are driving by going, this guy's nuts. And I'm trying to stay way off to the left so they don't like swerve from me and hit the log. And I'm like going, I got to get that thing out of there. And so as soon as I have a break, I run out into the second lane. I'm going to pick it up, but I got a rod in my back and I shouldn't do that. And so I'm like, I got to get this thing out. And I look up and here comes a semi and I'm just like rolling the thing out of the road. And I know the guy over there is going, should I thank him or just hit him? You know, and I like, this guy's nuts. But he saw what I was doing. He, he had to. I mean, and that log, I'm telling you, if a car hit that log, it would have destroyed the car, and that car would have went flip, flipping and taking out all kinds of people. People would have died if that log would have remained in that road. There's no doubt in my mind. And so I roll it over to the side, and I'm like, I'm like, I can't leave it here. So, all right. I pick this thing up, and I bring it over to my pickup truck, and I stick it in the truck, and I just go on my merry way, and nobody knows what happened. Nobody. Nobody realized I just saved their life today. Like, nobody. Yeah, yeah. Except y'all, no. However, that log would have caused some people to stumble, like, like bad. Like, that log would have taken out lives, like many lives. And, you know, and I, I thought about that in relationship to something else that's going on here. And I thought, you know, a lot of times we, there's logs in people's roads and we just drive by. Somebody else will do it. I don't have time. Whoa, I missed it. And you're like, God, just tell me a couple things about this thing. And one is, eventually you're going to hit that log. You keep playing around with that log and you're going to hit it one day. I hit a barrel of paint out of Lowe's. Some guy dropped a barrel of paint in my brand new truck. I just drove it home two days ago. Car swerves. I hit this bucket of paint and it just blows up all over my car, my truck. But that was a big gallon. That was a five gallon, the big one, the gray one. Not a little can. It can't be the little one. It's got to be the biggest one they make. And I blast that thing and it splattered and it didn't destroy my car. But that log, that log was about to kill somebody. It really was going to kill somebody. And uh, we, we sometimes, we just keep driving by and nobody wants to take the time to stop and help get the log out of the road. And people die. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to care enough to share. Care enough to speak up. Right? And we drive by and we're, we don't have time. I'm too busy in my tornado world. But we got to. And I'm not talking about logs and roads. I'm talking about evil and the devil trying to kill people. You know? Jesus, Jesus, because of his holiness and his power, is this cornerstone. And, and some people see it and embrace it, and other people, other people stumble over it. Look what he says. He says right here in verses 6 to 8, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him, embraces him, will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. This rock, this Jesus, this living precious cornerstone can save your life or it will crush your life. Depending on what you do. Depending on how you respond to him. 
Look what he says. They stumble because, why? Because they disobey the message. Now, he's talking to the Jews primarily here, but this is true about anyone. They stumble. See, they were destined for greatness too, the Jews. Look, which is what they were also destined for. The Jews were destined for greatness. The Messiah came through him, but they chose not to embrace him. And we live in a world where people choose not to embrace the Christ. And more and more, the pressure will be on you not to embrace the Christ. And the pressure will be on you to just go ahead and give in and just do what the world is doing and just follow the way, the stream of the world. The pressure will be on you and the weeding will continue. And in the end, only a few will be saved. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few find it. Why? Because they reject Jesus. That's why. We want just enough Jesus to make us feel good. We don't really want to be all in with him. And he will crush you in that case. The original living stone. That's what Peter tells us, who the original living stone is. Look what he says, secondly, is what living stones are. That's living stones, little like little guys, like us, little, little L, little S. What living stones are? Verses 4 and 5, look what it says. You also, look what he says, like living stones, not the living stone, big L, but like Christ-like, you also like living stones. As Christians, we, we take on Jesus, right? We invite Jesus in. We are grafted onto him and his kingdom and his family, and we are made one with him. The idea here of like living stones is like lively stones. Now that's a little different, isn't it? Not just living stones, but we are lively stones, so we need to like get alive, right? Some of us are connected to the living stone, but we kind of look dead, don't we? I mean, we mope around like, like there's no hope, like there's no victory, like there's no freedom, like all the things that God has said we have, we really don't have. We walk around like that. He says, we are lively stones built, being built up in him. Are you looking at the verses? Being built up on him. Peter is like this, the quality upon quality that God builds in us and he moves in us and he flows on us and he gives us all this. He just keeps pouring it into you. He keeps pouring it onto you. And the more you move toward him, the more he pours onto you. And he uses nine descriptive truths right here in these verses that paint a picture of who we are in Christ as living stones. Little L, little S. He says, verse 5, verse 5, the first three, being built into a spiritual house, right? Collectively, collectively, we are being built into the spiritual house, this house of God, growing and alive, our heavenly and eternal being and, and dwelling, a spiritual house. We're a spiritual house being built in Christ and on Christ and on the rock, and he's bringing it all together. He's the glue that holds it all together. We're being built into a spiritual house. Secondly, he says, you are a holy priesthood, right? We are pure, and not only pure, but we are a priesthood, which means we are ministry-minded. That's how we live our lives, with our mind on Christ and of Christ, letting God use us to do great things, and we make up together the house of God, and we also serve in the house of God. That's what it means to be a holy priesthood. Right? That's what we are. You're a priesthood. You're in hood, and you're a priest. So, so be the priesthood. Right? That's what we should be. We don't, we don't need other people to represent us before God. Only Jesus. You are the priesthood of God. Right? 
We don't need the preacher. We don't need the elder. You, you have the same relationship. You are invited to the same relationship with God as Billy Graham. He's nothing special above you. The apostles, they had a different role. Billy Graham had a different role. Other people have different, but you and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We are a holy priesthood being built into a spiritual house to serve God and to minister to the world. Number three, he says this, offering spiritual sacrifices, right? Romans 12, we know, says that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God, right? To do good works, to serve the Lord, right? To offer ourselves to him, to be used by him in this world. That's what living stones are. We're a spiritual house. We're a holy priesthood. We are offering constantly spiritual sacrifices to God. We're out there saving lives, not with logs in the road, but with the, 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 the good news of Christ, to a world that needs it so desperately that it's going to fall away. People are going to die, spiritually die, because they don't have Christ in their life. In verses 9 to 10, he gives us some others, six others. He says, you're a chosen people. right? You're a chosen generation, a chosen race. That's awesome. Jesus was chosen. You are chosen to be a living stone chosen by God. How awesome is that? Number five, you're a royal priesthood. Holy and royal, right? You are holy because of Jesus, and you are royalty because of Jesus. You're a child of the king. That's what you are. You're a child of the king. You are royalty, right? Don't get a big head about this, okay? But you are royalty. That's what we are. We're royalty. But we're humble royalty, servants of the great king of the universe. Why? He says it. To declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. That's the only reason you're royal. Right? You're not royal on your own. You aren't good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. But because of his love for me, he has made it available for me to come out of the darkness and walk in his light, his marvelous light. And because of that decision to put my faith in him, now I am royalty, a royal priesthood. He says, you're a holy nation, right? Holy, God's original, uh, or God's, is what that means, God's organized empire, right? Or God's organized, like, mafia. That's what we are. We're like God's people right here on the earth to, to go and do battle in the world. Right? To save lives, to save souls, to bring people to Christ. That's why you're saved. That's why you're holy. That's why you're God's people. And he says, you are God's special possession. Right? Once you were rough stones, but now he has cleaned you up and you are pure gold now. Because of what he's done for you. You are a peculiar people. I like that, don't you? You're prized. You're special. You're special. You are the people of God. You are this new family belonging to God, right? This new birth into this living hope has made, given you a new family. And you are no longer of the world. You are no longer of the darkness. You are now part of the family of God. He has, he has adopted you. He has, he has, you are an orphan and he's brought you in. You are now the people of God. And he says, lastly of that, he says, you are recipients of mercy, the gift of God's grace. The gift of God's grace that turned these dead stones, my dead stone, into a living stone, right? 
That's what, that's what, we, that's what we are. We are recipients of his mercy. That is what living stones look like. And the last thing he says is, this is how living stones live. And I love this part. And this is how living stones live. So, so get ready for this, because this is what we got to do. This is how we need to live, not to earn salvation, but to represent God. That's what we want to do, represent God in the world, right? As living stones, he says, look at this, rid yourselves. Verses 1 to 3, he says, rid yourselves. Rid yourselves. Living stones do three things. First of all, they rid themselves. They put aside, they put away. It implies that once we were wrapped up in something that was not good, and now we're putting that away. So whatever may be wrapping you up or pulling you away or tugging you down, whatever's tangled you up, he's saying, rid yourself of that. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Because that's what living stones do. They identify in their own life anything that doesn't line up with God, and they get rid of it. See, if you're all in, you're willing to do that. If you're not all in, you make, you make exceptions. Or you justify. Right? You figure out ways to say, but I have to because of. But if you're all in, you're, you don't do that. You say, God, whatever you want me to do, you're first. And living stones rid themselves. This is how they live. They rid themselves. They put everything away. The sinful and the selfish things that once wrapped us up. Look what he says. He gives us a little list. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy. Check those out. Malice, that's badness of quality, right? Quality in a person. It's like this wickedness. Deceit, which is this falseness, this lying, this trickery, this like manipulation that we use as humans to get our way, right? Deceit and hypocrisy. Look at this. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy. One who plots, malice, Deceit, one who pretends not to plot. And number three, hypocrisy, one who rejoices in their plot. All are evil. Get rid of those things, he says. Get them out of your life. Envy and slander, jealousy, what, what others have, wanting what other people have, and slander, which is falsely accusing people and then spreading lies. Get rid of it. Rid yourself of these things, he says. Remember the goal in chapter 1, verse 22 is this, is that we love one another with a sincere love. And these evils, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, these evils, what they do is they undermine and they destroy love. That's what they do. They undermine what God is trying to do in his people and they corrupt it. And he says, Peter says, look, in the church, as believers, in a world that is lost and going to hell, you rid yourself of these things. Do not be like those people. Don't live like them. You're different. You're royalty. Right? The blood of Christ is on the doorposts of your heart. Don't live like this. Second thing he says here is crave God, right? Put away, rid yourself, crave God. Number two, like newborn babies, right? That's what he says, like a little baby just wanting milk. That's what Bruno does. Like little baby, scream, cry until he gets what he wants, you know, until he gets, you know, milk. He wants milk, pure milk. That's what he wants. Crave God like a newborn baby. And the idea here is that we like yearn for God, that we desire God, that we want God more than anything else. You know, that's a good question to ask yourself. Do I really want God more than anything else? That question alone will, will help you solve the mystery of, of your heart. And that is, who do you give your allegiance to? 
right? Do I yearn for God more than anything or anyone else on the planet? Is God all my all in all, or is he not? That's what, that's what living stones do. They, they yearn God, they crave God, like pure spiritual milk, like the truth of God. I would just want more of the truth of God. Not that's enough, but give me more. I need more. I want more. I want to study more. Let's get together and have Bible study. Let's get together and pray together. Let's get together and just dig into God's word together. How, when was the last time you said that? When was the last time you went up to somebody, anybody, a couple people and said, hey, let's get together once a week and just dig into God's word. Maybe at work, you know, you got some co-workers that are Christians, and you know it. When was the last time you said, hey, let's get together? Maybe you're, you're at school and there's other Christians in the school. When was the last time you said, hey, let's get together for three minutes right before classes start, and let's pray together. Let's yearn for God. Let's hunger for God. Let's, let's seek God with all our hearts. Let's really show the world and, and prove to ourselves and, and let, let anyone watching know that I am a believer and I crave God in every area of my life. See, he says, crave God like newborn babies. See, what has happened is we've fallen from our natural longing. We have fallen from the first love, from our creator's love. We have fallen from that. That's what sin has done. It's cut it off. And now we're striving to get that desire and that yearning back. We've been hijacked. We've been deceived. We've been led astray. And Peter says, crave we crave pure spiritual milk. We crave God so that by it we can grow up in our salvation. That's important. It's very important to grow up in our salvation. And third thing he says is this. He says, recall that the Lord is good, right? Recall and remember. Constantly remind yourself. Remind one another that the Lord is good. They have tasted, right? That's, that's a believer who has tasted and knows that the Lord is good. That we have experienced it for ourselves. We're not living on our parents' faith. We're not living on someone else's faith. We're not going to church because we're, we grew up going to church. We are, we are worshiping God because we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. And where else would we go? Who else are we going to turn to? There's no one else out there that I want to turn to. He's the only one. And, and here's the thing. On this earth, that's just a taste. The full meal is yet to come. Right? We're just tasting a little bit of what God is like. And all these things that Peter tells us that we are in Christ, this royalty, this holy nation, this royal priesthood, all these things are just amazing things. They're huge things. But we're just tasting that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Very blessed, that's how. See, once you were wrapped up in the world, once you were wrapped up and you were tangled up in the world of sin and in a world of deceit and in a world of shame, once we were tangled up, once we were in darkness, but in this new birth, into this living hope, you are now wrapped up in Christ. You are wrapped up in Jesus and you are as white as snow. Your garment now in Jesus is white. And Peter calls us then to live it. Right? If you're going to claim that you're wrapped up in Christ, then live it. Don't just talk about it. And you don't even have to say a word. Just go do it. Right? Just go live it. Just go live it. 
Galatians 3.27, Paul said it this way, For all who, are, who were baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. We are white as snow because we are clothed in Christ. We have put to death our earthly desires, and now we crave, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, you will crave the things of God. 